Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Howdy, partner, and welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. More specifically, uh, before we get too late in the week, I should probably do the NRL weekend wrap for round 14. I'm going to jump through all the action from this past round of the NRL. Of course, if you're after a preview for the upcoming round, that'll be out tomorrow, uh, so keep your eyes peeled. Today, though, it's all about wrapping the weekend that was. What's in store? Well, I'm going to start with the performance highlights. As always, then I'll give some thoughts on uh, each of the seven games from round 14, and we'll finish off with a look at the ladder, the old competition ladder. Uh, So we're going to try and make this one at a decently short length or shorter format, so I better stop blabbling on. There's nothing else to do. Let's get amongst it. The NRL Weekend Wrap, round 14. Time to jump into the performance highlights, and as always, this segment sponsored by nobody. Nobody sponsoring. Round 14, uh, the performance highlights across the round. You can find them over on our Instagram, at not just a sports report. Uh, if you want to have a bit of an extended look, I'll go a little bit quickly, or try to be a bit quick through the performance highlights so we can get to the games. Player of the round. Now, there were a few in contention. Sean Johnson only just missed out, but I had to go with James Tedesco. His performance on the weekend was pretty much the exact difference between the Roosters and a very spirited Bulldogs outfit. Now throw in James's all-star performance and then add in the fact that it is on the back of a lot of criticism. Potential, I mean talk that, did they get rid of him at New South Wales level? Their captain. I would be shocked if that happened. Uh, But James Tedesco, just reminding everyone exactly who he is. He's not gone anywhere, and at origin level, I don't think he's going anywhere. Player of the round, James Tedesco. Magnificent game. Moment of the round, I had to go with the Sean Johnson masterclass. Now, it wasn't just because I'm a Warriors fan. Uh, More so, it was just so excellent to see Sean Johnson, not just at his brilliant attacking best, running the ball, Uh, but also just his organising of the team in general. You'd have to say, Sean Johnson in career best form, and my moment of round 14 uh, was the Mount Smart Stadium masterclass from SJ. Team of the round, let me just grab my phone here. James Tedesco at fullback, no surprises there. Semi Valme and Corey Oates on the wings. Oates with a massive return for Brisbane on the weekend. Well, Sammy couldn't have possibly asked for a better debut for his new side, the North Queensland Cowboys. Katoni Staggs and Valentine Holmes in the centres, both world-class centres, and they showed their strike throughout the weekend. Cody Walker in the 5'8 jersey, Sean Johnson at halfback, how could he not be, after that masterclass, although definitely an honourable mention to Jamal Fogarty. Tavita Pangai Jr., I had him and Payne Haas up front, but there could have been a number 
of front rowers. I just, I went with Tavita and I went with Payne. Damian Cook in the number nine. In the back row, I had John Bateman and Jordan Rickey. And rounding out the team of round 14, Isaiah Yo at lock. So I'll just quickly go through the team once more. Tedesco, Velme, Staggs, Valentine Holmes, Corey Oates, Cody Walker, Sean Johnson, Tavita Pangai, Damian Cook, Payne Haas, John Bateman, Jordan Rickey, and Isaiah Yo. There's your team of the round. As quickly as that. My talking point. Could have been an injury. Could have been a few things across the round. But I decided to stick with the action. And my biggest talking point coming out of this weekend's action. Broncos. Back-to-back victories. Both games, I honestly expected them to lose. There were plenty of challenges for Brisbane to have to overcome. And over the last two weeks, look, the start to the season definitely put them in premiership contention, but there are still many elements of their game that need to be worked on and very hard if they wish to win the premiership this year. Uh, But as far as the last two weeks, Brisbane have really shown me something. They go to New Zealand with none of their origin players, get the job done. Then they travel to Sydney. They take on the Sharks with some of their origin players having to back up. Cronulla, the only player in their lineup whose origin affected is Nico Hines, and he played 10 minutes of Wednesday's game. So again, I favoured the Sharks because of that origin period kind of adversity. But the Broncos, not only did they beat the Sharks, it was the performance itself. Just the desire in defence, the attack with ball in hand, and just the ability to control the game from the first minute to the 80th. So my talking point, Brisbane Broncos, back-to-back wins. I've really, I mean, there were a few things I thought were holding them back from going all the way. Over the last two weekends, I'm starting to think, I mean, they really could be in with a crack of going all the way this season. So we'll have to wait and see how the Broncos fare. Tough stuff. Nomination. Of course, at the end of the year, like Player of the Year, Tough Stuff, and Rising Star, which is coming up, uh, just like last year, over on our Instagram at the end of the season, you'll be able to vote uh, on a top four and then an eventual winner of each of these kind of categories. So Tough Stuff last year was won by Isaiah Papali'i, and this weekend's nomination, John Bateman. Enormous against his former side in the Raiders. And yes, he scored a try, but it was basically every other aspect of his performance in this contest uh, that I really admired. So tough stuff goes to John Bateman. The Rising Star nomination, uh, not just a sports report, Rising Star last year, of course, won by Jeremiah Nanai. Uh, Brendan Piakura from the Broncos. He is my round 14 Rising Star Didn't play a huge role in the win over the Sharks, but he's finally starting to get a bit of a taste uh, of the first grade lifestyle. And as far as the Broncos in the bigger picture, looking at the next five to ten years, Brandon Piakura, he could really be a crucial part of the puzzle. So for round 14, rising star nomination, Brandon Piakura. Cause for concern, uh, I've gone Nathan Cleary injury. Now, usually cause for concern is reserved for basket cases like the Dragons or Cowboys when they've been struggling, or even the Tigers at times. Uh, But cause for concern this round, 
I've gone the Nathan Cleary injury. It's a concern more so for the New South Wales Blues than the Panthers, given that there's still plenty of NRL uh, to come this year. But Cleary looks almost destined to miss out on Origin 2. Obviously, that is the big news for the weekend. And yeah, that's the cause for concern. Nathan Cleary, who would have been a lock in that Blues side. In fact, he's the guy with the keys to the team. So now, big decisions to make. Do they go Nico Hines? Maybe Adam Reynolds? Do they go someone from left field? I'm not too sure. Uh, but it is a cause for concern. Nathan Cleary out of Origin 2. The season could be done. Or the series, rather. Uh, by the time we get to Game 3. And then, the final performance highlight. Rounding us off. Knocking on the door. Now, I've been having a pretty, pretty good success rate with knocking on the door which is essentially highlighting a player in reserve grade who is really pressing their cases uh, to get into NRL. Now, each knocking on the door, one of the rules is that it's got to be realistic. So if there's a player who's not really in an NRL system who goes out and scores four tries, they're not so much up for nomination. More so players who can realistically crack the NRL this year. Now, one of the last ones I put out Excuse me. <clears throat> Junior Paonga. Now, look, I don't want to toot my trumpet for too long, but a couple of weeks ago I said he was knocking on the door. Bit of a big call to say Junior Paonga, who is in the North Sydney Bears team in the New South Wales Cup, to say that he could crack uh, this back five of the Roosters, which are stacked. Uh, but he did. He played on the weekend, and he played very well. And he's not the only one so far uh, to do that following knocking on the door. Now, of course, it's not my magic that's doing this. I am, of course, looking at reserve grade and just looking at performances. So really, it's these players who are doing all the magic. I'm just kind of casting my eye over, trying to, you know, bring to your attention some of these guys who may be not too far off the scene. Knocking on the door for round 14, I've gone Blake Moser. If you haven't heard about him before, which chances are, you most likely have. He is a Queensland origin junior representative. He's in the Broncos system, a dummy half with incredible raps. Like they truly believe not only is this kid the long-term nine for Brisbane, uh, he could also really come into play as far as Queensland set up in the next few years. So there are massive raps on Blake Moser. And over the last couple of weekends, he has been lighting the Queensland Cup on fire with his performances. Another double on the weekend for South Logan Magpies, Blake Moser. Look, what works against him is that Brisbane Broncos haven't really been putting a foot wrong. So you're not going to drop Billy Walters, especially if you're his dad, uh, and you're probably not going to drop Corey Pakes either, who he's really put in the yards to get to this point, had to go through a lot of development, be patient, change from a halfback, to a dummy half. So Corey Pakes definitely has his spot in the team, uh, but I think as soon as there is an opening, one of those two either suspended, injured, or unavailable, oh, you gotta bring Blake Moser through soon. He, he seems to be ready. It seems like he's above that Queensland Cup level. And yes, NRL, a totally different beast, uh, but time the time's coming, the time's coming. I think we see Blake Moser this year Round 14, knocking on the door, nomination, 
Brisbane Broncos young dummy half, Blake Moser. So there you go, performance highlights wrapped up. As always, found over on our Instagram. But now, let's get into the games. Round 14 kicked off in Campbelltown with a game that looked to be sealed up until the final 12 or so minutes. Raiders getting the win 20-19 over the West Tigers. And whilst it would take something miraculous for Tigers to play finals this year, it's not so much about that. And now, after such a rough start to the season, we really are seeing some encouraging signs in this Tigers lineup. Now, the score, I believe it's 18, uh, 18-0. 18-0. And then in the final 12 minutes, Jareen Buller, who I did pinpoint as a major threat in this game, scores a try. Two minutes later, John Bateman scores, and then all of a sudden, this game is on. Brandon Wakeham scores in the 72nd minute, and Raiders almost did, almost did, well, how else do I describe it other than a classic Canberra Raiders moment? They almost shit the bed. This game was in the balance, and in the dying stages, I mean, Tigers had all the momentum. They'd scored three tries, they were starting to break through Canberra's line, uh, line, I can't speak English. If there's another 15 minutes in that game, I reckon Tigers win. Now Luke Brooks kicks a field goal in the 75th minute to give the Tigers the lead. At this point, it did look like they were going to win, but Jamal Fogarty, undoubtedly man of the match in this outing, uh, he gets a penalty goal in the 77th minute. So Raiders 20, Tigers 19, a painful loss for these much improved Tigers to have to cop Whilst for the Raiders, a win is a win. And when you look at the congested ladder, and when you consider the run that the Raiders have been on outside of that Seagulls game, this win is vital as far as their chances, not just for the top eight, but really surprising people in this premiership race. But it was the Raiders on this occasion that were almost surprised. Tigers, well done on that effort and that performance, but unfortunately they just gave up too much of a head start uh, to overcome. So massive win for the Raiders. Jamal Fogarty, like I mentioned, he was by far the best on ground. Scored a double, including the first try of the game with some real creativity. And with Jamal, I must say, since the Jack Whiten news has come out, they've kind of figured out, like, okay, well, Jack, who has been our main man for the longest time, he's not going to be there going forward after this season. So it really seems like Jamal Fogarty has stepped up his role within this side uh, to become, I don't want to say dominant half, because a lot of their game does still revolve around Jack Whiten. Uh, but Jamal Fogarty, it seems like he just has a bit more ownership over this team. And look how they're going. Not just this year, but I know Raiders had a poor start this year, but they did last year as well when Fogarty was injured. And... The constant kind of consistent theme when the Raiders were going very well was that Jamal Fogarty was fit and in this team. Funnily enough, the other difference uh, that it has similarities to last year, struggles to lock down uh, their starting number nine. But when Zach Wolford has been playing uh, in that starting position over, say, someone like Danny Levi, who's arrived this year, well, when Zach Wolford plays, he and Fogarty... They have such a major impact on this Raiders team, even though 
Week to week, they're usually not the standouts. Raiders have an amazing pack, some exciting youngsters in the back line. Of course, they've got Jack Whiten as well. Uh, so for the Raiders, Zach Wolford, Jamal Fogarty don't get a lot of raps, uh, but I think Canberra are a significantly better side with those two in the team. And look, Ben Hunt, rumours are that a few clubs going after him. Raiders, reportedly one of them. So that would look like maybe Fogarty moves to 5'8", and you have Ben Hunt at halfback, which in itself would be an unbelievable combination. Uh, but I'm not here to speculate. We're here to talk about round 14. And this game, opening the round, belonged to the Raiders. But I just want to say a quick uh, congratulations, or more so a wrap, for the West Tigers halves. Brandon Wakem, who respectfully, definitely not a household name, and played more reserve grade over the last few years than NRL. He has just been the perfect foil for Luke Brooks. Probably the biggest narrative around the Tigers' struggles, it's always been the halfback, Luke Brooks failing to deliver. But Brandon Wakem is so steady in the halves alongside Luke Brooks, it allows Brooksy to actually run the ball, play his natural game, and on the back of that, we saw at the end of this game, Tigers are a genuine attacking threat. So Brandon Wakem, yeah, he's not a marquee signing, he's not a superstar player, but the fact is, they would be paying him next to nothing. So all the talk about overpaying Luke Brooks, in quotation marks, uh, based on performances, well, I mean, they're basically, they're not losing that much money because the guy alongside him is on next to nothing. So I really feel like since Brandon Wakem has combined with Luke Brooks, I think they're the best halves combination at the club. And I think they really need to look at whether they, they go with this over the next few years or whether they're going to bring someone in as like a marquee signing. But massive rap on Brandon Wakem and Luke Brooks. Really happy uh, to see the Tigers firing, especially in the halves. But this game, it was all about the Raiders. Green Machine keeping this role going and having momentum on their side. What's to come for the Raiders season? We really don't know. They could shoot up the ladder close to the top. They could fall to pieces and drop out of the eight completely. It's the best NRL season in a long, long time. But the Raiders, well, they are still well and truly in the mix. Somebody call my man Clark Kent, because this past Saturday was super. Our Warriors, my guys, my guys, 30 to 8 over the Dolphins. You know what the saddest part of this is? Is that I was at work, so I came back and watched the replay I may or may not have had a sneaky squeeze on my phone That was what was going on, unless you uh, work with me, in which case I wasn't. Uh, but 30 to 8, went back and watched the replay. Warriors, in Auckland, how good were the blackout jerseys? Love that jersey to the point I would not argue if we made that our full-time jersey going forward. Although I do wonder... And this is like a real niche thought, but the blue and the black, do you reckon there would be any... Sorry if you just heard my stomach rumble, what the fuck was that? I'm just going to keep talking. Uh, if I do it again, I'll, I'll cut it out. But yeah, I think the coffee 
It's doing something to me. Uh, but yeah, blue jersey, black jersey. In the sun, I do wonder, like, if we go to the black jersey, will we be at some kind of disadvantage? Will we fatigue more and get hotter in naturally warm contests? Uh, but that's a conversation for another day. Loved the jersey. Loved seeing the boys at Mount Smart Stadium after just everything they've been through in the past few years. Uh, and the Dolphins... Look, it definitely wasn't their best performance of the season, but that they continue to show up each and every contest and compete, which realistically, I believe that's their assignment. I don't think Wayne Bennett has got them talking premierships, despite being in a great position on the ladder. Uh, I think more so the whole nucleus of this run so far has just been the competitive nature of the Dolphins. We're seeing guys like Jermaine Azarco who could barely make first grade last year. Now, I mean, I tell you what, if he was off contract, there would be plenty of NRL clubs lining up for Jermaine Azarco. Not just a try-scoring winger with fantastic footwork, also a very accurate goal kicker. So, well done to the Dolphins on their season thus far. Uh, I was happy to beat you guys, though you guys took our recruitment manager, Peter O'Sullivan. Tried taking Reese Walsh, uh, but then we we're like, all right, Broncos can have him. Uh, so there was a point there where I was like, you know what, Dolphins? Piss off. Uh, but now, yeah, I've really warmed to them under under Wayne Bennett, what they're doing. Love the roster. Love the actual area of the world, too. Like, Redcliffe is like, yeah, it's okay. But, like, kind of Brisbane, the wider region that they represent is a very great area. Uh, but main thing for the Dolphins here, congratulations to Ray Stone. 55 tackles, my goodness. He was someone that really caught my eye uh, as a Warriors fan when I went back and watched the replay. Obviously, biggest highlight of this game and my moment of the round, a Sean Johnson masterclass at Mount Smart Stadium. He looked, when he was running the ball, similar to 2011 Sean Johnson, which physically is just really not possible. But, I mean, he really wound back the clock with his tries, but it's been so much more than his tries. It's been his halfback uh, ability to organise the team, which is very important, and a skill he hasn't always had. He's also improved his kicking game drastically, and for Sean Johnson, he is in such a sweet spot of his career right now. And the thing that has impressed me most about Sean's form this year has been his leadership. Now, despite being one of our X-Factor players whenever he has been in a Warriors jersey, uh, this level of leadership is just... It's something I haven't seen before from Sean Johnson. And I'm sure there were traits of it last year. I'm sure he played a huge part in just keeping the boys' heads screwed on uh, when they were still over in Australia. And of course, last year, I think the biggest point of difference in Sean Johnson's form, other than Andrew Webster coming on board is the fact he's in New Zealand. He's with his wife, he's with his child, he's around his family, and he's home. Last year, look, I don't have a wife or kids, so I really don't know how it feels. But I've had time, you know, being away from loved ones. I've had time when I'm in a relationship, uh, being in another country, and it's, it's not easy. So I can't imagine, like, having no real fixed idea of when you're coming home, and yeah, seeing your child grow up without you. So now Sean Johnson, back in Auckland, and he's owning it. He's the king. 
of Mount Smart Stadium, or Go Media Stadium. I'm gonna keep saying Mount Smart, but shout out to Go Media. I mean, this money's helping the game, it's helping the Warriors, so Go Media. You guys wanna sponsor me, hit me up. Uh, the other thing with Sean Johnson, Luke Metcalf. I was so excited for his debut last week. Uh, now, it didn't all go to plan, but it's going to take some time for him uh, to establish himself within this side, build combinations, uh, being a new face in the squad this year. But Luke Metcalf, it's going to be a very interesting selection battle between Metcalf and Tamari Martin. And not just that, but having some halves depth for once, throw in Ronald Volkman as well. Well, that is another factor as to why Sean Johnson has lifted his game to a totally new level. Because now, for probably the first time, we do have capable guys that can step in uh, if Sean Johnson wasn't aiming up. But he is aiming up and more this season, which is realistically the best case scenario. So Luke Metcalf, Sean Johnson, this is a halves combination uh, that look, I think could rattle anyone even the best sides in this competition. And of course, I've got to give a shout out to my man, Dallin Wateni Zelezniak. How epic is the hair? How epic have the performances been? And look, was a real bright prospect bursting onto the scene at the Panthers. Ended up going to the Bulldogs to try and cement himself as an NRL fullback. Didn't quite work out. And the Dogs during that time were struggling big time. Then Dallin comes over to the Warriors at a time where we're struggling. So it's actually been a while since we've been able to see Dallin at full flight. And he's showing us what he can do uh, when the team around him are going well. So Dallin Wateni Zelezniak, love having him in the side. He had a massive game. Uh, but it was my point of difference that I highlighted in the preview that I believe got this done, our Ford pack. Now, no Dylan Walker again. He was someone that I mentioned, given that he was named, as someone I thought could really turn the game. So that was a big loss, uh, but happy to see Tom Ale get another opportunity. Mitch Barnett, stoked to have Mitch Barnett back. He came over from the Knights. I knew he was going to be good for us, but in his limited time on the park, he has been great for us. So Mitch Barnett, I just think his addition back into the team makes us a far, far stronger outfit. Josh Curran off the bench as well. Uh, Murata Niokore and Jackson Ford, both coming to the Warriors this year. Of course, Niokore, a Warriors junior. Uh, but they have done an excellent job. I knew Niokore would, uh, but Jackson Ford, I didn't even know if he was going to be in our 17. I certainly didn't have him as our starting back rower. But now that he's here... Jackson Ford, like what a find, what a pickup. Similar, obviously very different players, but it's kind of the same as when Parramatta Eels got Isaiah Papali'i from us. And then all of a sudden, he was playing the house down. But the ability was always there. And Jackson Ford, I mean, just, I'm stoked with this signing. He was someone, that signing, like I was like, oh, cool. Like I knew what Jackson Ford was about, but it wasn't a signing of like, Fuck yeah, this guy is our starting back rower. He's going to play the full 80. He's going to be a real heart and soul player for us. I didn't think that was going to be the case. I thought maybe he'll play off the bench. Jackson Ford has been phenomenal. Wade Egan, great on return. But so far, our MVP this year in the Fords 
Adam Fanua Blake. The big man, he's got an offload in him, so much footwork at the line. He's even been scoring a few tries this year. So Adam Fanua Blake, look, keeping him on the park has been a massive reason as to why we've been going so well. And I think getting someone like Mitch Barnett back and with Dylan Walker still to come back, the more guys we have alongside Adam and Torhu Harris to really get through that work in the middle, the better chances we're going to have because we are going to be going straight through the front door, making plenty of meters, and it's on the back of that that your Montoyas of the world, uh, your Dallins of the world, Rocco Berry, Luke Metcalf, Sean Johnson, it's on the back of that go forward where we can really work our brilliance. Uh, but I'm going on a bit about the Warriors. Let me finish off. Chance Nicole Klukstad. Another guy who returned to the club this year. Um, now, anyone who's listened to the pod before knows that Raiders are genuinely my second team. So at the time, I really wanted to see Chance as a Warrior, but delighted to see him go to my second team. I uh, just love, love his work. And just it's not just the tough stuff and the effort areas, but he really does possess a bit of that X factor, which at times I think he doesn't get much credit for, uh, but he is adding some real spark into his game. And Charles Nicole Klukstad, he was one of the major factors as to why we won against the Dolphins. Of course, the game was close for the majority of the contest. It wasn't until uh, Sean Johnson, Luke Metcalf scored in the second half, and then Dallin scored a double. So Dolphins, they did put up a very quality fight, but as a Warriors fan, I am stoked with another win, and it keeps our season on track. Alright, next up on Super Saturday, this one will be a little bit of a quicker one. I'll talk about both teams though, and I'll tell you why. Despite this being a topsy-turvy game, Titans racing out to a big lead, um, then Rabbitohs just getting themselves back in the contest and really running away with it. Tries all over the shop. Titans 28, Rabbitohs 46. There were stages there where it looked like Rabbitohs may drop three straight games, uh, but they got the win, they got the two points, which is most important. But why don't I have too much to say about this game? Well, I came home after work, sat down. Titans were up 12-0 when I turned the TV on. Uh, and then I kind of, it was tuning out. And then uh, in a multi, I had Alex Johnson to score, Keon Kolomatangi to score, Campbell Graham to score, and Damian Cook. It was like 800 bucks off like five bucks. Only Cook didn't score. But once I saw Keon Kolomatangi and Johnson score, or Johnston, I was like, okay, all right, I'm back in this. And then next thing I know, I'm waking up toward the end. By this stage, Rabbitohs had accrued enough of a lead where I was like, oh, wow. Titans have done it again. But yeah, I didn't go back and watch the replay of this, to be honest. And look, it gave me a fantastic power nap. And I was up and about for the Saturday night game, which I'll get into in a sec. But yeah, this was a power nap game. Just kind of one of those ones you're not planning on going to sleep. But next thing, you're waking up. But I was glad I didn't wake up in the morning. Time for Super Saturday. Uh, but yeah, quickly on both teams, biggest takeaway here. For the Gold Coast Titans... I've said on many podcasts, given they sit around the ninth position, the only thing stopping them from being a top eight team is their defense. 
and not just stopping them, but it's actually one of the only things that's preventing them from playing finals because defensively they are letting themselves down big time and their fans. And again, this really, it just wasn't good enough. Considering the great start that they had, Gold Coast, disappointing. And I know people have brought up stats of like, if they'd won close games uh, that they've gone on to lose and things like that, then they would actually be sitting first on the competition ladder, which to me, that's not a sign of like, oh, that's really promising. And I, I'm usually a positive guy, not a negative guy, but that doesn't make me go like, oh, wow, Gold Coast Titans, they're not actually that far away from being the best team or one of the best teams in the comp. To me, that's actually alarming. You could be first, but your defense is so concerning and so lackluster, respectfully, that you're not even in the eight. So you could be first, you're not even in the eight. So to me, that's not a sign of a team that can fix a couple of things and all of a sudden shoot up the ladder. This is a team with a glaring issue that they've known about for a while now and just cannot seem to fix. So yeah, they could be first, but is that going to be relevant if we come to September and they are not in finals action? I don't think so. So Gold Coast Titans, look, I'm not hugely critical of them here. Like it is against South Sydney, one of the top teams in the competition. But yeah, they've just, they've had leads. They, they could be first. They're not even in the eight. To me, that's not promising. That is really disappointing. What that would tell me as a Gold Coast Titans fan is that if they had their defense down pat, if they were one of the best defensive teams in the competition, then they could be first. They're not even in the eight. Alarm bells ringing a little bit as far as the Gold Coast Titans, but I don't want to be a negative Nancy. So we'll talk a bit about the Rabbitohs quickly. Certainly not a super impressive display. We know they can score 46 points, uh, but they did concede 28. But all they were after here, especially after a grueling origin period, uh, game one, was the two competition points. They got that. They've broken the two-game run of losses, got themselves another win on the board to keep themselves in the minor premiership hunt. So by no means was it the perfect game, but it's certainly effective in their overall goal for 2023 to win the NRL Premiership. So great win from the Rabbitohs. Look, some big injuries too. Cameron Murray under a cloud for Origin 2. Blues in shambles. Blues in shambles. Their fans are like, drop the captain, sack the coach. Now Cleary's gone down. Cameron Murray's gone down. And on the Queensland side of things, Tom Gilbert out for the season. Very unfortunate news. Uh, best of luck in his rehab and recovery. And Jai Arrow, out for about six weeks. So he's going to be out of the Queensland lineup as well. And more importantly for South Sydney fans, Arrow and Murray could miss a, a little chunk of time uh, for the Rabbitohs, which makes this a crucial win. Because we've seen, like last weekend, when they were without Arrow and without Murray, well, teams found it a bit easier to get on the front foot. So those are two big notes uh, as far as injuries, Cam Murray and Jai Arrow for the Rabbitohs, but they did what they needed to do. That is why at the end of the season, they will be in premiership contention. And this is another game for the Titans 
which kind of just proves they're probably not up to finals this year. They're still well and truly in the race, still plenty of time to turn things around, but it's just the same thing every time. It's their defense that lets them down. Uh, so Titans, big chance to respond next weekend. And for the Raptors, after two consecutive losses, they'll be chasing back-to-back -back wins. On to the round that ruined my perfect tipping weekend. Thanks, Sharks, for fuck's sake. Even the Cowboys won for me. Even the Cowboys. Sharkies. What's going on? 12. Broncos, 20. Spoke about Broncos a bit earlier in the podcast and what a major win this was for them, especially uh, with that being parlayed into last weekend's win against the Warriors. That's my talking point. Broncos, hugely impressive. These are two games over the last fortnight that I just had so many reasons. Despite Brisbane being awesome this year, I could just see so many reasons uh, why I thought they would lose. Last weekend, against the Warriors, full-strength Warriors, we had everything to play for. Had a pretty fair team as well. Against a Brisbane side, missing Reese Walsh, Salwin Cobbo, Tom Flegler, and most importantly, two players who I said, if even just one of these guys is missing, I think the Broncos are out of premiership contention. Well, they were missing both of them, and they won, and they won pretty handily too. And it's not just the they're winning, it's the way that they are winning, then their body language in these games, the way that they're acting, the way that they are carrying themselves. Kevin Walters and Adam Reynolds as the captain, they have instilled a confidence in this team where they're clearly not making excuses. Because if you're going to make excuses, I mean, last weekend against the Waz was the time to do so. Then they match up against the Sharks, second versus third, both equal at the top of the ladder. The Cronulla Sharks, only Nico Hines affected by origin, and he was unscathed going into this game. So why did I pick the Sharks? I picked the Sharks because I believe they have the best run through origin in terms of being a top four side and only missing Nico Hines. And I have a lot of confidence and Braden Trindle uh, to play when he's called upon. So I just thought Sharks, I mean, this is a great game to win. Coming off this game, they could start to look at finishing the year as minor premiers, and that is still definitely a chance. Uh, but in this game, look, there's just something about Cronulla, and I saw this in the game against the Dolphins as well, where they just... If they don't come out on the front foot and the other team gains momentum, Cronulla, there's, I don't know how to quite break it down, but there's something in their game where they just don't have it in them to like, yeah, just claw their way back into a contest. Even the comeback game where the Warriors, where we beat them, it was like they had all the momentum, but as soon as we started to get that momentum, they couldn't get it back. So Cronulla, the way I'm looking at them right now, after having very high hopes for them as a premiership outfit this season, the way I see them is like they're one of the best teams in the competition during the regular season. But when the going gets tough, I don't know 
if Cronulla gets going. The Dolphins game was the perfect example of it. Last year, getting bundled out in straight sets if the finals, that is another example. And in this game with the Sharks, and I saw it in the Dolphins game as well, they just get a little bit too pretty in terms of their play. They're like trying to score these hectic tries to, you know, get themselves back in the game. And I don't know exactly what the formula is that's preventing them from really getting back into these games. But once they've lost momentum, they don't seem to be able to get back into the contest fully. So I look at this game, and yeah, Sharks, they are going to be a major threat through the regular season. Uh, but as far as a game just through the regular season, like, this had finals intensity on one side of the park, and that was the Broncos' side. They played with an intensity as though it was almost a finals game. They were so desperate. They were so desperate not to let the Sharks score, and they were successful. If this was a contest decided by who wanted it more, the Broncos very clearly wanted this win more. And that, all of a sudden, after having such high hopes for the Sharks, now I'm starting to see a lot of things they need to improve on. Whilst for the Broncos, still being skeptical about them all the way through up until this point, they showed up. And just the attitude on display, especially when you consider guys like Walsh and Carrigan backing up from origin, this all spearheaded by Adam Reynolds at halfback. Brisbane have won a lot of my respect this year. And if there is a time that they're going to start to dip before the end of the season, you would think it would be origin period. Well, so far, it is A+, plus as far as navigating the origin period. And in a game where the Broncos displayed finals-like intensity, the Sharks couldn't match it. And that is what I worry about once we reach the end of the regular season and Sharks find themselves in these big-time crunch games. I still have the Sharks as a premiership contender. There's no doubt about that. But there are a lot of things for them to work out. And yeah, my one takeaway is that when the going gets tough, they just get a little bit too pretty, a little bit too cute with their playing style. And the Broncos, they weren't having any of it. So now for Brisbane, under Kevin Walters, they are still at the top of the ladder. And you have sides like South Sydney who have beaten them. Definitely going to be contenders at the end of the year. And you'd have to say Penrith, they're still the team to beat. There's no doubt about it. They are right up the top of the ladder as well. Cleary, though, just going down with an injury. Broncos at this point, they still find themselves first. And no matter how long they lead the competition, until we get to the back end, post-origin, there's still going to be that lingering doubt of, like, can the Broncos finish strong? Well, everything I've seen from them this year in terms of their attitude, in terms of these development, or the development, rather, of players like Patrick Carrigan, who a few years ago, under Anthony Seabold, we could all see the promise, uh, but where he's just where he's got his game to, very quickly too. And I would say Kevin Walters, a man not many people talking about. He's the coach. He has to have played a part in Patrick Carrigan uh, really realizing his potential and more. So now the Broncos with Reese Walsh, who they didn't have last year, 
there's just something, I guess the vibe about this team in general, that this is a different team. That these guys mentally, they're more resilient after what they've been through the last few years. And they've definitely got a strong enough team to not only avoid bundling out of the eight, but to be in minor premiership contention. These last two weekends were games I had them losing and games that I had holding the Broncos back from probably finishing minor premiers at the end of the year. Well, they've won both. So Brisbane Broncos, I think it's time. And like the Sharks, Brisbane definitely still have plenty that they need to work on. But I think it's time to start including them very seriously and very sincerely in the conversation of who could be the 2023 Premiership team. Panthers leading the way, Rabbitohs in with a chance. I had Sharks there. Uh, But after this game, look, it's definitely... I mean, this game doesn't decide what happens in finals. But what I saw from the Broncos impressed me a hell of a lot. Quite the opposite with the Cronulla Sharks. Sunday was one hell of a game to kick us off. Roosters 25, Bulldogs 24. Biggest takeaway, James Tedesco, player of the round. He was the difference here. Dogs, though, again, they just, they continue to show up for games. And I I don't know, it's like, I don't want to just brush over the dogs, but I keep saying it. This year is like a development year. Next year, I see them firing on all cylinders. I think they could shoot up the ladder. I really do. So they continue to show up and they still realistically are in for the hunt, uh, the top eight hunt this year. They're starting to get players back. Tafita Pangai Jr. was enormous for them this weekend. Uh, Jacob Preston, what a player. Josh Adokar, a full fitness back in the team. They've got Kiraz to come back, a couple of others as well. And well done to Khalid Rajab, a youngster from Lebanon, or Lebanese international, uh, playing his first game of NRL. And Bulldogs, there is definitely an argument that they could have won this game. They were every chance... And Roosters, look, I tipped them to win because I said I thought things would start to click. They got the win, so I guess you can say things are starting to click. But, I mean, they were very close to losing that. And it's interesting the minute difference in such a close game between coming on the weekend wrap and saying, like, oh, boy, Roosters could be in real danger of missing the top eight. And now uh, coming on and saying... You know, they've got the win they needed to get, and they could be a side that really start to lift over the next month or two. So Roosters, that is how important that win is for them. Whilst as far as the short term, 2023 for the Bulldogs, that loss does hurt them a lot, but that effort certainly doesn't, especially in the eyes of the fans. Bulldogs, there are great things to come from the Bulldogs. I honestly don't think they are that far away from being premiership winners. I really don't. Or at least, you know, being at like a point where Souths are right now of like, oh yeah, this is a team definitely in the mix. So I think good times are very close for the Bulldogs. This would have been a tough pill to swallow. Like I said with the Roosters before, such a minute difference between coming here and just kind of having to be like, 
2024, you know, Bulldogs 100% on the up. Still a lot of footy to play this year. Had they beaten the Roosters here, the talk would have been around Bulldogs finals hopes this year. That is how much of a shot of confidence and momentum that would have given the Dogs. So yes, it's a massive loss for their finals hopes this year. Uh, But on effort and on everything they have shown me this year, I am nothing but encouraged by where the Bulldogs are headed. But as far as the short term, as far as the 2023 season, that is a massive win. One point in it, but it's for two competition points. Bulldogs miss out. Sydney Roosters. Are they contenders? Or are they pretenders? They're just fooling us. On to the upset of the round. How the hell I tipped this, I don't quite know. I did say in the preview, not a lot of science. There you go, wink wink, behind the uh, selection there. But not only did they get up, they smashed the Melbourne Storm. 45-20, to 20, major loss for the Storm. And I think we're going to see over the origin period uh, what the Storm are all about this season. Because they could definitely fall out of top four contention. But there's still a chance to steady themselves. But all around, really poor game from the Melbourne Storm. Tough week at training ahead for them. I don't have too much to criticise about their game, given that they are still premiership contenders. But 45-20, they were only five points from maybe being ruled out of this year's premiership race. So the Storm, more so than in many recent seasons, there are chinks in the armour. And the Cowboys, one of the worst sides this year, exploited that massively. Semi Valme, on his debut, in place of Kyle Felt, hat-trick. Not only that, he got up a first try score a bit for me, which was dope. Valentine Holmes scored. Murray Taolangi, off the back of the best game of his life at origin level, backs up, scores a double. Uh, And that certainly, I think, put to bed... Any talk of maybe Xavier Coates on the opposition side, uh, maybe being the better guy for the job. Murray Talangi, over the last week, I mean, what a week he's had. He's cemented himself as a representative player. Of course, last year, yeah, he played Origin. He was part of the World Cup squad, but this is, this is different. Now he's like really cementing himself. And what that leads to is basically just elite world-class football Week in, week out. He's still a young player for the Cowboys, but that's a great thing for this team to have. Jeremiah Nanai scored, as did the Chad. I mean, that was epic. No doubt the surprise of the weekend. And it's interesting. For Cowboys, like, I just don't see them playing finals this year. But to do what they just did against the Melbourne Storm, if anything's going to give you confidence, it's that. But I am wary because, of course, only like a month ago, they won back-to-back games. And it was like, okay, maybe they're, um, maybe they're about to get started. And then the Tigers put 66 points on them. So the jury is definitely still out on the Cowboys. But you can't really ask for much more. And not only is a win a win, that is a big, big win. And the competition from top to bottom... Outside of the Dragons, not much separating 
these sides. So the Cowboys, it is realistic that they could make a run, but the key is going to be consistency. Because last time, when they tried to make a run, well, they got complacent, and Tigers embarrassed them. So Cowboys, epic win. Easily the, their best win of the season. That was much more like the Cowboys that were one game away from last year's grand final. So there is still hope. And coming off the back of a win like that, there's more than hope. There's some real enthusiasm and confidence the Cowboys can get their season uh, back up and running. Storm, big loss, as I like to say, when these quality teams lose. Not so much looking at the loss here. What I'll be looking for is their response. Next weekend, against the Sharks in Melbourne, both teams need to respond. One of those sides, they're going to lose again. And they are going to lose not just the game, but a ton of momentum. So that could be one of the games of the round next weekend. Storm up against the Sharks. Cowboys with the bye. Now, look, they just had a huge win. They'd probably want to play next weekend. But when you factor in origin, guys like Holmes, Taolangi, Ruben Cotter, Jason Taumalolo, uh, easing himself back in, Jeremiah Nanai, only just back, the buyer's a good opportunity for the Cowboys to now set themselves for basically a month or two of football where they can afford two losses maximum. Like, they have to get going. They have to get going now. They have, it seems. 45-20 against Melbourne Storm. The key now for a side we won't see until round 16 is get going and don't stop. Only 10, 11, 12 or so rounds of the competition. Not 100% sure. Maybe like 11 or fucking 12. Like I said, not sure. So Cowboys, time's of the essence. We know they can do it, but will they do it? All right, we're just a tick under the hour mark, so what I like to do when I'm like, oh, we can keep this to about an hour. I've uh, got two things to go. Final game of the round and ladder watch. We'll make them a bit more rapid. Let's try and get this to about an hour. So Panthers 26-18 over the Dragons. Doubles on both sides. Ravalawa and Brian Toto coming off that origin loss. Of course, biggest talking point, which would not be very rapid of me, would be Nathan Cleary. I already spoke about that. Obviously, it's huge. But Jack Cogger, again, he's someone I could talk about for a while. He's experienced. He's not untested. He has been tested at the NRL level and at the Super League level. We've seen guys like Sean O'Sullivan step in in the past and fill that role when needed. Same with Tyrone May. And Jack Cogger, a very sound selection. So Mason, Mason Cleary... He is a new player. Um, he also has a hamstring injury. So Mason Cleary, not going to be uh, existing beyond this episode. But Nathan Cleary with the hamstring injury. Look, I mean, looking at the 1-17 to for the Panthers, this is one of those teams, it's like, sometimes when you're playing in a rugby league side and you have like a star halfback, if they're not playing that weekend you do lose a bit of that confidence, a bit of that edge. But Panthers are a well-oiled machine. They're just set up so that when one player's out, no matter how significant, they've got someone else who knows the system inside out, ready to step up. 
which is exactly what Jack Coggett did in this game. Very handy having him on the bench. Panthers 26 to 18 winners. But honestly, I must say, like Panthers continue to impress me. They are easily the benchmark of this competition and looking like they could very well be going on for the three-peat this year. Um, but yeah, I'll spend the limited time I have remaining just to say, well done, Dragons. I thought they played out of their skins. They played well above their weight against the benchmark of the competition. If the Dragons play like they did more often this past weekend, they're going to win some games and get off the foot of the ladder. My main concern is that what the Dragons do and the tendency and the general theme is that they respond. First round of this year, they were coming into this year, Anthony Griffin already under pressure. Everyone was saying they're going to be wooden spooners. They were like, no, we're not. Well, now they're last. And they come out in round two, their first game of the season, and absolutely blitz the Titans. The response that was required. But then it's like pretty lackluster through the season again. Um, they get a couple of wins here or there. Anthony Griffin loses his job. Ryan Carr, first game in charge. Tigers need to respond. Tigers? Oh my god, I'm just so used to saying that. It's like autopilot. They're usually the ones in the fucked position. Congrats to Tigers. Congrats. You guys are on the ups. So, so stoked for you guys. Uh, I was talking more so about the Dragons. So Ryan Carr, first game in charge. Griffin gone. Dragons respond again against the Roosters. Now, this was another game that required a response. Jason Riles knocks back the Dragons. Again, you're in the news, and not really good news either. So there was a bit of a response required, and the Dragons did that. For most of the game, they matched the Panthers. So realistically, I should only be speaking positively about the Dragons, but when I look at the bigger picture, it's the games where they don't require a response, where we're just not seeing much. So I'll be more looking to see how they back up this great performance next weekend. But that that's the round. Round 14. We've gone through all the action. I've left myself about a minute to go through the ladder. So let's get straight into it and call it a day. The NRL weekend wrap. It's time for Ladder Watch. Alrighty, well, I guess I haven't left myself much time. Let's try to keep this to a bad now. Might just tick over. Ladder watch. We finish off with the competition ladder. Now, given where we're at in the competition, so much fluctuation to come. Uh, I'm not going to be breaking it down in depth. I'm just having a look at where everyone's at week to week on the weekend wrap. Uh, so, top of the ladder, Panthers and Broncos on 20 points. Panthers sitting first. So Panthers still leading the way, and as I've mentioned in this episode, the past fortnight has been incredible from the Broncos. Instead of potentially being fighting for their spot in the eight, they're equal first. Then on 18 points, right behind the ladder leaders, from third place all the way down to sixth. So like I said, still a lot of movement to come. Rabbitohs, Sharkies, Storm, fourth place Sharks, 5th place Storm next weekend, Raiders 6th, Canberra Raiders out of all those teams in the top 6, probably the ones we're talking about least and are coming least into consideration 
As far as premiership threats, they could surprise a lot of people. They were my dark horse pick as well. Shout out to me. Yeah. Uh, seventh place, Warriors. Shout out to the Warriors. Yeah. Hell fucking yeah. I really, really hope we play finals this year. In eighth, Dolphins. Ninth place, Roosters. This is a side, as a Warriors fan, and for Dolphins and Raiders fans and the like, these are the, these are the guys who are really going to be jostling uh, for the position that we hold. In 10th, the Seagulls on 15 points. 11th, Knights, 15 points. So the draw comes into play. Now it's on both of those teams to have a strong second half of the year. Better than their first halves, and they could definitely be playing finals. Parramatta Eels on 14 points, just as they look like they're about to make a run. Dylan Brown through an incident that I honestly haven't read much about. He looks like he's out. Gutho to 5'8", maybe Sean Russell to fullback. A lot of movement. Maybe Connor Tracy if they can get him. But just as Parramatta look like they could be poised to make a run, only one win out of the eight, that is a big blow. Tell you what, I'll tell you what's a fucking big blow. Titans were ninth. Now they're 13th. Oh, they could be first. They're 13th. They need to get a grip. I love the Titans. I actually really want to see the Titans do well. And they want to do well. You know, I'm not faulting the effort of the players, but they, they can't be first. They're 13th. And there's one thing letting them down. Defense. Cowboys 14th. Two wins out of the eight. Like I said, they just have to win and keep winning now. No margin for error. Bulldogs on 12 competition points. Only two wins out of the eight themselves. Like I said, though, massive loss for their hopes. They could have been on 14 points. The loss to the Roosters has them third from bottom. Tigers in 16th. They're on 10 points. That loss, yeah, that probably rules them out of contention now. But it's not so much about that. It's about the bigger picture. And despite sitting 16th, I'm loving what the Tigers are doing. So I think that's a great reflection of just how competitive and fantastic the competition has been this year outside of the last place Dragons. Sorry, boys. Like all the players, uh, wouldn't mind if they were coming first, but they're coming last. And I say it all the time. The Dragons, not the players, not the coach, the organization and the board. They gave up on the season before it even began. That is reflected in 17th position. And I say not the players, because look at how the players went against Penrith last weekend. Despite all this adversity and all this kerfuffle going on around them, the Dragons players are showing up every single week. But before the season started, Dragons board already put Anthony Griffin under pressure. They just wrote off their season, so they deserve to be last. Well done to everyone else above the Dragons. I think everyone else is working toward a really positive future. The thing is, not everyone can get there. There are only eight spots for finals. Plenty to play out across this season, but I've gone over the hour mark, so let's call it. As for the preview, round 15, that'll be out tomorrow. I'll be going through all the games and the talking points, everything like that. And going through some news as well, if any breaking news drops uh, since the end of this podcast. But that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening and enjoy the week ahead. 